So I'm going to make an attempt, I'm going to make an amazing attempt in the next three Sundays to share about face-to-face church, who we are, (coughs) who we are, what in the world we're doing, because really it's been almost three years, so like what in the world are we doing, (laughs) why are we doing it, and how are we going to do it? How are we going to take the next steps? The how always tends to show up when you're, when you have enough conviction about the why and some clarity on, on the what, the how shows up. Who we are, what are we trying to do, why in the world are we doing it, and how are we going to get there? Face-to-face church. Here's our, the tagline that may, may be writ- rewritten, but it encompasses pretty well who we are. We are a family. We are a family gathered around the presence of God, empowering people to transform their world. We are a family gathered around the presence of God, empowering people to transform their world. I think that's pretty cool. So, why are we that? We are this partially because I believe a healthy disciple of Jesus experiences God's presence on a regular basis. A healthy disciple of Jesus experiences the supernatural. A healthy, growing disciple of Jesus is a part of a spiritual family. They have authentic, loving relationships with human beings in the body of Christ. And they're empowered to make a difference for the kingdom. Because the big why is simply discipleship. Because Jesus' big why at the end was go into all the world and make disciples. So our big why is just, it's just that. It's just develop healthy disciples. So the how of developing healthy disciples is to create an environment where it's easy for people to experience God's presence. I'm talking about the man, you know what I'm talking about when I say that. I'm talking about the manifest presence of God where he is obviously in the room he is obviously (coughs) doing stuff I know God's everywhere we can experience him everywhere but cultivating an environment where it's easy to experience God's presence we expect when we get together that we're going to encounter God Mm -hmm. we expect anybody who comes through the door is going to encounter God cultivate an environment of his presence cultivate a loving spiritual family and a place where people can be trained equipped, taught and empowered to make a difference Monday through Saturday, to put it that way. Like, make a difference every day, all of your life, because we believe the kingdom is much bigger than just the local church. Amen? And especially much bigger than what happens on, you know, just on a Sunday morning. Obviously, we believe that Sunday morning, or whatever time of the week it is, the gathering of the saints is super important to have these three things going on. So the big why is make disciples who are going to make disciples, who are going to make disciples, who are going to make disciples, who are going to change the world so that a hundred years from now, planet Earth will be a better place because we poured into people. We raised up sons and daughters who became mothers and and fathers who raised up sons and daughters, et cetera, et cetera. And that a supernaturally charged environment 
with awesome, authentic, loving relationships and empowerment to succeed and advance the kingdom in your everyday life. This is the greenhouse where people can grow. So these are our three core values. Presence, family, and empowerment. If anybody asks you, what's, what is it about face-to-face church that you like? Or, you know, what's your church like? We love God's presence. We love relationships. And we empower people. We get equipped and empowered to make a difference. To live victoriously. We have awesome relationships. So I feel loved. And we love, we love the supernatural. We love when God comes and when God does healing. When, when God releases prophecy. When God, you know, does all the things that he does. These are our, you know, distinctives or core values. Ideally, every person that's a part of us owns these three things. You own them, and when the topic of the church comes out, this is what comes up in conversation, this is what comes out. Presence, family, empowerment. Um, So love them, memorize them, live them, most importantly, live them. So we're a family gathered around God's presence, empowering people to transform their world. People are really longing to experience God, whether they know it or not. And people are longing for a family. A little bit of how for you, or what, what this looks like. This first one, under presence, Sunday morning. This is just, a, just an imaginary, not an imaginary, but a, uh, to envision what, how this plays out as we grow. People come in, somebody comes in to visit on a Sunday morning. We want that to be an environment <coughs> where they encounter God. <coughs> Whether it's through the corporate <coughs> worship time, personal ministry, through the word, through interacting with a believer, a greeter in the lobby... We want that to be an entryway into the presence of the Lord. I don't, want that, I don't want Sunday morning to be a place where we sell people on what a great church we are. But I also want it to be a place where we sell people on what a great church we are. I want it to be a place where people encounter God first and foremost. Because if somebody comes in, the definition of a successful... Are we successful with somebody if they visit and they decide to join the church? I don't know. Are we successful with, or are we successful with somebody if they visit and they experience God? That's the more successful one, <laughs> right? Because not everybody's called to be with us long term. So we will have people come through and just be there one Sunday. And man, we want to make sure, like as much as possible, we host His presence so well that they just can't help but experience His goodness when they're with us. Okay, but the flow then would be. If somebody does feel connected to us and they need they need a church home, that they would then plug into a home group or a life group or a face-to-face group or a whatever we were, whatever we end up calling them, small group. As we grow on our, our corporate meeting on Sunday mornings grows, we will need a different environment. Because right now, essentially, this is this is home group, essentially. I mean we run it like a church you know, service with worship and everything, and home groups will look very different depending on which group it is, but um, the home group priority is going to be connection mm-hmm. with each other. And also as a point of outreach, because some people will, be, will feel more comfortable visiting your house for a home group, for a Bible study, <coughs> or for a meal than they will be visiting <coughs> on a Sunday morning for the first time. So it can also be an outreach, but it's very relational. Like, that's something that we are 
it's very hard to add a home group program to a very large church that doesn't already have it. Okay. Like if, if, if it's not in the value system and intentional as the church is growing, it can get lost Mm -hmm. and it can become all about making sure Sunday morning is really good. The tithe checks show up every week and that's like, because we need to all of a sudden support a building and all this stuff and we can lose sight of the relational side of things. But I built in a, you know, kind of a fail-safe for that by making our name face-to-face church. <laughs> so when we have rows of chairs in a, a building, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have it on my mind. Okay, are we really being face-to-face? Or are we mostly being face-to-back-of-head? So I built it into the name, face-to-face church. So at all times, are we encountering God face-to-face? And are we really loving each other face-to-face? We can have 10,000 people and still be a face-to-face church because we're encountering God and loving each other in family. Family doesn't mean (coughs) small. I feel the anointing. (laughs) Family doesn't mean small. Paul Manwaring from Bethel uses this great example. Uh, Bill Johnson has a family reunion, and the Johnson family is huge, and he says it's like a conference. 160 people will show up to a Bill Johnson family reunion they got missionaries all over the world, and he's a fifth-generation pastor, and his kids are sixth-generation pastors now. When they have a family reunion, it takes all this organization, it takes all this planning. they got to plan months out in advance. The planning and the structure involved doesn't mean that a Johnson family reunion is less of a family. It just means it's bigger. You know, so Paul Manwaring, who moved from England to be on leadership, to be in leadership at Bethel, actually just to go to the Bethel school and then ended up on the senior leadership team. Like, there's a trip for you. It's him and his wife and two sons. And now his sons are married, but he's like, we fit in a booth at Red Robin. Like, <laughs> we just get everybody in the same town and go to the same restaurant. Boom, family reunion. Like, done. That's all there is. But his booth at Red Robin isn't more family than a Johnson family reunion with 160 people. Okay? It just it looks different, but the, but the DNA, the, the heart elements are the same. So family doesn't mean small. You can't do family better in a house church than you can in a community church of 200 mm-hmm. or a mega church of 10,000. It's a heart issue, and it's a priority issue. Just because we're in the same room every week in a semicircle, looking at each other doesn't mean we're being a family. It just means we're in a family room. If we don't pursue relationships, we're not being a family. If we don't spend time with each other outside of Sunday mornings, we're not being a family. If we're not actually getting to know each other, like doing life together, we're not being family. We're not family just because we're in a small room. Small doesn't make it a family. Big doesn't make it not a family. That felt really good to say. That felt so good. House church doesn't make the church a family. Mega church doesn't make the church not a family. This feels better than almost anything I've said in like six months. (laughs) All year. All year. Uh, Side note, if, if people ask you about your church, don't tell them it's a house church. We're a church. We're a church. We're a church plant. We're a growing church. Right now we meet in a house. Some people are called to do house church. And that is wonderful and great. 
We are not. We are believing for bigger. And I'm not even going to say believing for better, because there are some very high-quality house churches out there doing amazing things. Mm-hmm. The terminology, though, it's, it's important. If you say, I go to a home church, people are going to come, and they're going to, they might come because they want to be a part of a home church. They might not want to go where we're going. And hey, if that's fine, if people want to come and be with us for any amount of time, but maybe they don't feel called to be with us when we're bigger, that's awesome. We'll love them, we'll serve them, we'll pour into them. That's great. Sunday morning, so the, the ideal for somebody that's a plugged in part of face-to-face church, they're coming on Sunday mornings or whenever our weekend meeting is. They're encountering God. They're plugged into a home group being loved, loving people building genuine, authentic relationships. And then they serve. I just put ministry team here. Um, That doesn't necessarily mean like ministry team at the front of the church on the end of a Sunday morning service. That means some sort of volunteer activity, some sort of way that they're activated serving the life of the church in some way. can be volunteering for kids ministry, being an usher, greeter, Worship team, audio video, you know, leading a life group or a home group. You, you get it, right? You guys have been around church long enough. There's all kinds of different, you know, youth group. I mean, there's tons of different things that, um, ways that people can serve. So ideally, they're engaged at all three levels of church life. Sunday morning, home group, and ministering in some way. Because it is in their best interest to do so. They're engaged all three because we believe that this is the best uh, that this maximizes their potential to grow as a disciple of Jesus in our environment. Not because we need more cogs in the machine or butts in the seat or tithe checks in the plate but because it gives them it gives you the best chance to grow as a follower of Jesus to discover your calling and to change the world. So our goal as leaders, and if you're in the room and you're still here as we grow, you are a leader. Praise God. Our call as leaders is to encourage, is to ourselves be engaged at all three levels and to also encourage other people to do so. Because it's in their best interest as individuals, and it's in the best interest of the body. And I will say this unashamedly, because I'm not trying to build something for my own name. I'm trying to build something that's going to change our region. Right. And ultimately change the state of Pennsylvania and yeah. send people to change the world. Yeah. Because it's in the best interest of the body, mm-hmm. yeah. we want everybody engaged, fully engaged in the life of the church. Yeah. In all three ways. Because I won't change the world by myself. You won't change the world by yourself. But together we can do something that makes a real difference. Engaging in all three ways sets you into a greenhouse where the Holy Spirit can move through encountering God's presence. Holy Spirit can move in your life through other people and through the training and equipping that you will receive (coughs) in order to be a part of ministry in the church. And I want to finish with Isaiah 61. I'm going to turn there and follow along if you want. We'll dig a little deeper into this over the next couple weeks. 
Isaiah 61, starting in verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted, sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives, and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Then they will rebuild the ancient ruins, they will raise up the former devastations, and they will repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. So you guys are familiar with this. This is the passage that Jesus quoted when he stood up in the temple. And they handed him the scroll of Isaiah, and he turned, 61, and he was like, nobody else has ever read Isaiah 61 in the in the temple gatherings before, out loud, publicly. And the, the people knew when somebody reads Isaiah 61 out, they're announcing, I am the Messiah. So Jesus, here's young Jesus, you know, 30-ish years old, grew up in this town, everybody knows him, and he stands up and says, surprise, I'm the Messiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to do all these amazing things, to bring good news, to set, bring freedom to captives, to bind up brokenhearted, to bring joy for mourning, garland instead of ashes, etc. That's the context. And then later in Jesus' life, he said to the, after he was resurrected, before he ascended, he said to the disciples, as the Father sent me, I also send you. Wait in the city until you receive, I'm paraphrasing, but wait in the city until you receive the empowerment from on high, and then go change the world and make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. I just put all the commissions of Jesus all together there. Um, the ref- you can find the references there. there. Uh, he, Jesus had the Spirit upon him. He brought freedom to people. And then those that he brought freedom to, he said, you receive the Holy Spirit, and then you go bring freedom to other people. You go bring freedom. And this promise is for your children, your children's children, and for every generation. What I want to point out to you at the end of verse 3, it says, so they will be called oaks of righteousness. Who is they here? It is the people for the sake of the recording. I'll just answer. It's the people who received the ministry of the Holy Spirit in verses 1 and 2 and part of verse 3. It's the brokenhearted, it's the captives, the prisoners, the poor, those that were mourning, those that are in ashes, those that have a spirit of fainting, those people that were broken, that receive through Jesus or through somebody Jesus sent, received the ministry of the Holy Spirit, got healed, got whole, got healthy, got happy, got saved, healed and delivered, those people become oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Then in verse 4, then they will rebuild ancient ruins. It's the same they, those same people that were broken, but got healed. They were prisoners, but they got set free. They were far from God, but now they know God. Become people who raise up, who rebuild ancient ruins, raise up former devastations, and repair ruined cities. We have ruined cities 
all over our planet right now. We have cities that some of us don't feel safe walking around in them at a, you know at night or whatever. There's like high crime. There's divorce rates. There's high you know orphans and there's brokenness. There's you know there's stuff. There's there's stuff. There's ruined cities that need to be rebuilt. We need the kingdom to be manifesting in every part of society, on every street corner, in every home, in every city. And the ones that are called to rebuild the cities are the ones who have been ministered to by the Holy Spirit. The ones that have been brought freedom. The ones who have been healed. Which is us. So there's another why for you. Why, why put energy into all this? Because we get to create a place where people come in and they encounter Christians who have the Spirit of the Lord upon them. And they receive the healing they need. They receive the freedom they need. They receive the love they need in community. And they receive the empowerment they, they need to rebuild whatever is ruined around them in their sphere of influence. That is why we're investing our time, our energy, and our hearts into this. This thing has been a stressful <coughs> pain in the butt for a lot of the time. In this season, the last, I'd say, six months to a year, I would not say it has been that way most of the time. There was those first couple years, there was a lot of bumps and bruises mm-hmm. and hurts while we were growing. It was hard. It's not always easy. What you're called to do is not always going to be easy. Yeah. You know? Uh, so many people, and myself included in the past, at the first sign of difficulty, it's like, well, this must not be God's will. I'm going to find something else. I'm thankful I've learned perseverance, and I'm still learning it. But there was definitely times we thought about just packing it in. And that it's been a while since we've thought that we're not. We're definitely not packing it in like we are all in. But... Anybody who's ever done anything, if they tell you they never even once thought about quitting, we're probably, they're probably full of it. But we're not. We're here. We're encouraged. And we're happy. And we're surrounded by people that hold our arms up when we need it. So that's why, though. Because there's a city around us that needs to be rebuilt.